BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 211. Very special edition. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson from his couch. Mitch, how's it going, buddy? It's uh, It's been a day. Uh, like highs and lows all over high the kids are going to school both of them today first day low they're gone which is still it was weird for me because i've been with them for two years at home and then high again because like hey i've got all this time and then lows because technology is killing me today yes so we got mitch without internet so we got him phoned in so that's uh, you're going to hear it or it's going to sound a little bit different on uh, your end. But we had to get this episode out, Mitch, because this is I- I'm going to go out on a limb and say it. This is our most important episode I think we've ever recorded. Without a doubt, there's no question. And of course, the day that we have a huge show to do, the inner's like, you know what? At 830, I'm just going to die. Peace out. Oh. Come on. And then they're like, we can't fix it for you, bud. You're going to have to wait. Go. Yes, very frustrating over at the Anderson household. But we do, as we mentioned, we do have a lot to get into. Uh, but before we do that, uh, it's important to mention to all our listeners from across the galaxy, from Australia to Houston, up to Mitch without internet in Canada. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for a takeoff with the fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0 kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0 the orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming join the two million men and women worldwide who trust manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with code fansided20 that's fansided20. You can get yourself 20% off on anything they got. And uh, we, we recommend checking out the 4.0, don't we, Mitch? Absolutely. I use it not all the time, as in like not every day because you don't need to do that. But when it's time, it comes out and it's super handy. The LED light is that. That's, I've said it before, but that's the game changer for me. Hard. 
Absolutely. So let's hop into it, Mitch. I don't know why September 1st was the day that Lou decided to wake up, but supposedly, uh, well, it, it was because we have a ton of contracts to get into. At first, it seemed like, okay, maybe it's just going to be the Anthony Beauvillier deal. But no, sir, we have not one, not two, not three, but four contracts to officially get into. So let, let's hop right into it, Mitch. Where do you want to start? I guess let's start from the top. Let's start with Bo, right? He was the first one to come out of the gate, and then the rest of them – sorry. By coming out of the gate, I mean, like, we heard from Arthur Staple, like, oh, I think it's just going to be around this. And I, I use my Kerman voice, not in any sort of insulting way, but just, like, that's what I normally do. Um, so we hear Anthony Bovilli come out, and then uh, everything. They're like, you know what? Lou's like, just send them all in, baby. He put them all in the facts at once, and they all came through. So maybe we start with the bow one because that's where the ball started to get rolling here. Absolutely. So Anthony Beauvillier has himself a new contract, three more years of the French-Canadian at a $4.15 million cap number. I think that's a pretty nice cap hit, Mitch. That's workable. Yeah, it's about what we all thought he would get, right? We all pictured him being a $4 million player. And we didn't know how long it was going to be, right? We thought maybe a couple of years, maybe two years, right? Because, again, Bo has become a little bit more consistent over the last few years, but it's not super consistent yet. So we didn't really know what type of contract he, or how long Lou would want to get married to this type of player, but three years makes sense. And that to just, and we're buying a year of USA status as well. Right. And to only effectively pay an extra 0.15 million over, well, not over, but like times three for an extra USA year is the way I choose to look at it. That is a sweet deal. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I thought um, this is kind of in between where I thought it would be. I thought it would either be like a short-term bridge deal again, taking him to UFA, or like a four- or five-year deal. Um, but that number is at 415, which, I again, for someone who, yes, is has been inconsistent at times during his career, I think he's found himself a, a nice little role as a middle six player on this team. And for uh, a clutch playoff performer, a, a goal scorer in the playoffs, getting 4.15 over three years at age 24, I can live with that. Yeah, you're getting peak Bovillier at 4.15 for three years. That's huge. And, like, he could still get better and round into, like, a 50, 60-point player, but he's certainly a 40 to 50-point player. That, that seems for sure at this point. To get him for $4 million, that sounds fair as well. So that's a good deal already. You're locking up your, your middle six winger, really like a top six winger, um, for for good money. And so, it, it, again, it's about what we thought it was. So there's no kind of like, oh, my God, what about the cap? The second that Bo signed is kind of like, cool, next. This is great. Let's see what the next one is. Absolutely. Um, I think the next one that we can get into is Sezikis that came across the pipeline, but we pr we pretty much knew what that one was going to be as well. Six years, $2.5 million for him. Uh, it's a long contract, but you get one of the best bottom six players in the league controlled for, well, pretty much the entirety of your championship window. Yes. How does the math? Oh God, the math on this. So two point five times six. I can't do it quick 15. in my head. Is is what fifteen? Fifteen. So yeah, he gets a fifteen million dollar deal, which is a lot of money, right? Yeah, you think like, oh, it's, a, it's just a fourth line center. 
was not just a fourth line center. It's the best fourth line center in the NHL. There's no question about that. Yes, the contract is long. Yes, that that is for sure. But who cares, right? Like it doesn't matter how long it's going to be, unless you think that he's just going to break down in year two and just never play hockey again. He's going to have injury problems. Yes, that is already well established as fact. He already has injury problems, not because he's injury prone. Like right? he, he's made a glass. He plays a hard game, and when you play a hard game, you get hurt. Um, so, like, I'm not worried about this in one bit. We're, we're saving on the cap here, right? Effectively a million dollars, rounded up, right? Because he was making 3.35, now it's down to 2.5. The Islands has just saved a million dollars on the cap and kept the best fourth-line center in the league. How is this not good business? No, exactly. And the reason why I'm not as worried about this being a long-term deal versus something else Let's say the last two years of this deal are rough in terms of, I don't know, maybe he's playing like 10 games a year or just really banged up, can't stay healthy or ineffective. It's two and a half million instead of like an Andrew Ladd five and a half, which the Islanders dealt with for what, half a decade? Yeah, <laughs> right. So that's wild. <laughs> it sounds so long because it is, but you're right. Um, yeah, like they have to deal with $2.5 million. No trade protection, mind you, right? So like if they, they want to move it, they could. I don't think they will. No. Um, and it, again, I, I really come back to the injury problem thing. If that's your main takeaway from this, like, well, what if he gets hurt? He could have got hurt at any point of this deal. So like, even if it was a two-year deal, what if he got hurt was always going to be part of the narrative. So you just got to make your bed with that. And to get him at less than a million dollars, yeah. Right, right, and he wants to die here. Right, literally, he said, "I'm willing. I want to die here." So, <laughs> more, like, what are we hating here? More, more on that later for the for the social. But yes, phenomenal quotes today out of Casey Zizekas. So he is locked up for. I'm going to assume the remainder of his uh, NHL career. It will be with the New York Islanders. Yeah, he's what 31 years old. So six years. Yeah, it takes him to 37. Yeah, that I, I would be surprised if Casey Zika's last past 38. Yeah, I, I would as well. Um, I backed up too far, so give me a second here. Uh, ba, 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 scroll back up. And then... So that's two, right, that are good signings. Two of four. So, like, the other two, are they as good? Let's find out. Let's do Sorokin first. So, Ilya Sorokin signed a three-year deal, which was a year longer than I thought it was going to be. And it's for a, a, a touch higher on the cap than I thought he was going to get. But with the extra year, I guess that's kind of where it comes from at $4 million. This is an extra year and double what I thought he would get paid. Now, it's not to say that he's not worth it. It's just it's more money than I thought the Islanders were going to spend. Now, I guess you can say, well, they saved a million dollars on Casey Zekas. So effectively, when you think about it, I guess it's $3 million. Uh, and even then, he was getting, let's say, a million. So you're going, all right, well, it's not really that much, right? We're working it down to try to make it more palatable for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Because it is a lot of money for a guy who's played, was it 22 games last year? Yeah, I'm pretty sure just about. So, like, that's not a large sample size. But this is what Lou Lamorello does with goalies, right? When he finds a guy he wants, he pays him. Now, that doesn't mean he overpays him. But no. he, he pays him what he thinks he's worth because he knows how important they are. 
He did it with Varley. He's doing it with Sorokin. He did it with Anderson. Uh, he did it with, um, God, why am I forgetting his name? Corey Schneider. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm sure he did it with Marty Brodeur as well. Um, that, that's just what he does with goalies because he knows that that's the linchpin from everything for everything else. No, absolutely. And while, Four million is more than I thought he was going to get. I don't look at it as like, oh my god, that's catastrophic. How could you possibly play Ilya Sorokin four million dollars either? No, right? Like, yeah, his stats aren't amazing, right? Nine eighteen, and was it a two seventy eight? Again, I don't have internet, so I can't yeah, verify I'm, this. But it was in the two seventies for the regular. No, that's the playoff. It was lower than that in the regular. I think it was a two twenty one in the regular season. Uh, oh, give me his game logs. Please hold. Uh, so if, if that holds out, two set, even better. Oh, my God. Right? Like, why are we talking? Like, this is not great. It's not a great contract because it's, it's $4 million still for a guy who only has 22 games, right? So any Rangers fan can now go to, like, so what do you got to say now, right, when we're all made fun of them for signing uh, Shesterkin for as much as he did after the limited sample size. But uh, – not, I'm not going to say that this deal is a good deal. I, I think it could very well be one. But this is certainly in Lou's wheelhouse. This is what he does. No, absolutely. So the the one my one thing with this is now for the next two years on paper, your goalies are getting $9 million against the cap. Yeah. I don't know where to be on this. Okay. If, if the Islanders are a team that wants to operate – a single starter situation where like we want to run a guy 60 games up there. Then I can see how that's a bad situation. But if the Islanders want to run a, a one, a one B situation and be like, we're just going to play the best goalie and we're going to have two really solid guys that are going to give us nine twenty and below two fifty goals again for half the year. This is the way you do it. Yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't hate it, but at the same time, like it's, not conventional so it's i don't know it's definitely a question mark or something to note let me let me say it this way the montreal canadians and the florida panthers are paying one guy 10.5 million dollars so (laughs) that's true that's a great point mitch you you sold me how about that yeah and also till the sun explodes on both of those guys we're talking about (laughs) two years of maybe a little discomfort and even then our discomfort is like we're paying nine million dollars for two twenty and nine twenty save percentage goalies. That's the good thing. <laughs> You're not wrong. So the last contract that was announced today was Kyle Palmieri, and he got a four year deal with a cap hit of five million dollars for that four years. He also has a no trade clause the first two years and a modified no trade clause for the last two years, 16 team no trade list. So half the league he can't be traded to unless he says yay. Yes, correct. What are your thoughts on that right, right off the hop? Um, This is probably my least favorite, but it's not horrendous. Um, I, I thought he would be at four and a half or four seven five so at that point that's like two hundred fifty thousand over what my budget was so that's not anything to to you know scoff at i could live with five million dollars especially if he's going to be up on the top line like i think he's going to produce and be that 20 plus goal scorer and that power play piece that he has been for them pretty much isn't the entirety of his career except for the regular season last year 
The trade protection's a little bit concerning, but the, I don't think they're going to look to move him in the first two years anyway. Yeah, that that's the thing that I take away from this contract is that the Islanders are confident what happened last year to him in the regular season will not happen again, and it didn't in the playoffs, no. right? And what we're talking about here is a completely snake, snake bit in terms of goals. His shooting percentage was 8.7, I believe, over the year between the Islanders and the New Jersey Devils, where his career average is more around 12.8. And if he shot 12.8% this year, with the number of shots he got off net, he on net, not off net, he would have been a 24, maybe rounded up to 25. I'm just trying to remember how I had calculated it out earlier, um, which is exactly what he does. That's what he is. Right. But in the playoffs, he was shooting at a 20% clip. And, and by shooting, I mean converting shots to goals at a 20% clip. So that tells me that this, this guy can convert goals uh, at the rate that the Islanders want him to. I'm not saying he's going to convert in the regular season at a 20% clip, but he can definitely be within that 12 to 15% clip that they need him to be at. And so that's why they're comfortable and confident in paying him this money, which is, like you said, higher than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be $4 million. That extra million is rough, I guess. But you can also look at it through the positive lens and say, like, well, if this is a one-for-one one swap for with Jordan Everlay. The Islanders just saved five hundred thousand dollars. That's true. That's a good way to look at it. So, like. Now we're talking about, well, they saved money on getting a player who can score as we and play stylistically a more island type of game. It sounds like there's wins across the board here. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I think it's pretty close to an even swap. So um, I, I you could ca- you could sell me on that. It's a quote unquote win because of the uh, the savings compared to Everly. So you can sell me on that. Yeah. So like. Of the four deals, there's none that you're you're thinking of like mm, this was all awful. None, none of them are really bad. There's a uh, there's a potential for bad, right? Like what if uh, Palmieri does what he did last year in the regular season? Yeah, but I don't. Outside of that, there's nothing really negative about any of these deals. No, and that's the thing. I I'm also a believer that Kyle Palmieri is going to be fine. I I think he's going to give you 20 to 25 goals. I think he'll give you. Uh, pretty decent power play numbers. And if he gives you 45-plus points, let's call it, maybe upwards of 50 if he's up with Barzell for the whole year, at $5 million, you could survive that. So with that being said, why do you think they didn't announce Parise, Zajac, and, and maybe even Michael Del Colton? I, I the don't three know. cheapest contracts. <laughs> I don't know. Lou, me trying to tell you why Lou Lemarillo did something <laughs> is pointless. I have no idea, Mitch. Fair enough. It just it seems weird. Like we're gonna announce all our big contracts, but not the other ones, and that's the ones we're all waiting for. We, we know, not for a well, we know for a fact at this point. Michael Russo said it today on Twitter. Like he's going to the island. He's already got Islanders gear. It's done. It just hasn't been filed yet. And not even Michael Russo saying like this is me telling you. This is me, Michael Russo, talking to Kyle, uh, not Kyle, Zach Parise, who told me this. Right. So the player himself said it's done. So like it's done. No, it, exactly. So there's nothing to worry about 
in in that regard. So they'll get done. Maybe who knows? Maybe next week's show it could be the Parise and Zajac show. Let's do it. All the other ones, right? Let's talk about all the the, the cheaper deals and see how how low they come in at. Absolutely. Now, Mitch, we have a really big interview to get into, but before we do that, we have to set the stage a little bit. So um, I was able to have the opportunity to talk to uh, Dennis Potvin, who is uh, a friend of yours, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Mitch? I wish. (laughs) I wish. I don't think he remembers me in the slightest. So both Potvin and former teammate Brian Trottier are getting into the NFT game, Mitch. And uh, I asked my first question to spoiler. My first question to Dennis was if he knew what NFTs were before taking on this project. So I'm going to ask you, Mitch, are you confident in your knowledge of what an NFT is? Not yet. Sorry. I understand what an NFT is. I don't get it. I feel like, this is the old in me, like going, ah, yelling at clouds, going, I don't understand why anyone would put money in this. I don't get it. Although when I see the NFTs for Pape and Trache, I'm like, okay, I get that. If I spend X amount of money, I can basically have a weekend with them. Cool. Yeah, no, that, that does sound awesome. And, uh, well, there, there's more info on that on the, the website. But I think without further ado, we're going to toss it to this interview, right, Mitch? Let's do it. Oh, man, I am so jealous of you. I wish I had spoken to Denny. It's been a while, but, oh, man, this is a good chat. Here we go. Here it is, my conversation with Dennis Potman. All right, so my first question for you is, were you, were you familiar with NFTs at all before taking on this project? Yes, um, only because of my own research. You know, um, uh, <laughs> you know uh, we're always trying to figure out you know, ways to, uh, I don't want to say can you just make money, but I mean, you know, we're, uh, you know, I'm very involved in memorabilia stuff. As you know, it's flourished a lot over the last couple of years, several years, and, uh, and, and a lot through COVID. So uh, this, you know, obviously became an opportunity when I saw what was going on. And now even more so, now, you know, you're seeing a lot more of the you know, the legends of the game, uh, getting involved. And so I did my research and I liked the idea. And then when I was uh, approached by a uh, school, uh, a company that uh, kind of develops them and then uh, flux 88 that actually put it out there. Um, I, I was very excited about it. And I, and I am. So um, I think it's definitely something very, very interesting for all of us, you know, uh, alumni of the sports to be able to uh, get involved in that way. And, you know, I do cameo as well. And my slogan is, uh, you know, uh, uh, make someone happy. Right. And of course, if you know about cameo, you know, we do a little one I do usually about a minute and a half and, you know, and wish somebody happy birthday or happy wedding or anniversary, whatever it may be. Uh, and it, it, and the responses are really nice. You know, people are so, uh, are so grateful um, it just all falls in line. And uh, uh, the NFTs, I hope, are the same way. You know, I hope the response will be very good. And uh, it opens up an opportunity to do a lot more because ours has an audio component to it. Right. And so I tell a story, and my gosh, you know, <laughs> there are hundreds of stories that, you know, I could, I could talk about my career in the NHL, the playoffs, you know, all of those things. 
And, uh, and of course, Trotz, who's uh, doing this with me, has the same feeling that there could be a lot more that uh, fans may appreciate and, and want. And, of course, the fact that it's so personal, um, I think, adds to the appeal. Now, specifically on one of them, I was the, the place was rocking NFT. It's, it's you and uh, Trottier going back and forth. And you're talking about, you know, the, the, loud, the loudness of the Nassau Coliseum. Is there a specific moment to you that sticks out or is like that to me was the loudest that building ever was when you were playing there? You know, yes. Um, you know, I talk about one incident where, you know, this lady kept yelling motor pot fan and as loud as the building was, I could hear her voice and it was, it was inspiring, you know, cause it usually came when, you know, I may, I had the puck in our zone and started trying to move up the ice. It's kind of a cherished memory of mine because it also talks about how, uh, and I don't mean to speak for everybody else, but I could be pretty sure that, all of us uh, during those 70s and 80s benefited from, you know, the roar of the crowd in that building. It was a very loud building. And, uh, you know, as they say in hockey, it was our barn, and uh, we, didn't, we didn't lose very many games in that place. And uh, so it was very, very special. Absolutely. And in the 15 straight years, NFT, you're talking again with, you know, about wanting to play with Trottier. So can you can you just tell me what it was like to play with such a talented roster? Liter- I mean, so many Hall of Famers on that roster. That must have been insane. Well, you know, if, if you're asking me now, yeah, I agree. It's insane how good we were. It really is. I mean, right. 19 consecutive playoff series. Everybody adds a number four in terms of Stanley Cups. But the actual fact is, we went to five consecutive Stanley Cup finals. And that's where that 19 consecutive series comes, uh, uh, victories comes in. And that's incredible. Um, you know, teams, of course, at this age, most likely will never be able to do something like that. Of course, we didn't have free agency. And uh, so when you build a team like Bill Torrey did and, you know, uh, and uh, groomed us like Al Arbor did, uh, you know, I, I had Al Arbor as my coach for 13 years. So obviously, a lot of my teammates, we all grew up together. There's, what is it, I think 14, I think there's 16 of us that our names are on four Stanley Cups. That's incredible. Right. And uh, so, <clears throat> you know, when I think about playing with Trotch and Boss, you know, and Billy Smith, and, you know, they're like automatic Hall of Famers, you know, Clark Gillies. Uh, you know, you think about the, the, the early series in 1980 when we had to play the Boston Bruins. I mean, that was an unbelievable series for Clark Gillies to step up in, you know, what was then a needed fashion. I mean, the game was different, uh, a lot of fighting, a lot of physical play. Um, so we, we had, you know, I, I'm talking, of course, of the Hall of Famers. I'm not forgetting Bobby Nystrom and John Tonelli and Butch Goring, uh, you know, and on and on, Kenny Morrow. All of the guys that uh, uh, really came up with incredible plays, you know, JT, you know, the tying goal, then the game overtime winning goal uh, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think that was in 1981. We had never would have gone on to do what we did had he, for instance, not been able to get those goals in a dramatic fashion late, late in the game. Uh, game five, as a matter of fact, it was five game series. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I look back, and, and yeah, I cherish 
the moment, and I'm extremely grateful to have been part of it. But I was also there in the very beginning when we only won 12 games in 1973. And I look back at, at those teams, and I'm saying, how much did I learn from Eddie Westfall, J.P. Parise, you know, uh, Jude Druin, great trade by Bill Torrey, and then, of course, you know, winning the series against the Rangers uh, in 75 when we were still a very, very young hockey team but had a great combination of experience and young players. So there's so many great moments uh, that I think about, not only the moments, but the guys I played with. Tremendous, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you're just talking about the Rangers and another one of these NFTs. You're, you're talking about the first time beating the Rangers. Can, can you just talk about how important that rivalry was to, you know, building this team? And I'm sure you have some thoughts on the uh, the infamous chant as well. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, no, 40 years of chanting doesn't go unnoticed. <laughs> anybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, let me uh, let me start with the Rangers. Sure. Um, you know, I, I was I was a rookie in '73, but and so were several of my you know young teammates like Bobby Nystrom and that and Gary Howitt. And, you know, we were there in '73 when you know the Rangers would come into the Coliseum, you know, and pummel us and win games. And I think you know the one I remember is who ended up being one of the great friends of mine. And sorry that he just passed was. Uh, Rod Gilbert. I think Rod scored the first goal in the, in our building for the Rangers. And, you know, we, we grew up, you know, whatever small town you came from, our barn was our barn. But Rod Gilbert and the Rangers scored and, and the building exploded yeah, that, for the Rangers. Right. And, and I can tell you, I can ask the same question of anybody who was there, like a Bobby Nye, you know, or Gary Howard. Uh, that really, really hit home with us, meaning that we had to change this around. So that 75 series where we won was a big, big step for an organization that needed to try and gain our own identity, you know. Um, And then, of course, you know, when I scored my very first two goals in the NHL and Eddie Jockerman, um, you know, whether it was the Rangers or not, that was a big day for me, obviously, like any NHLer. But the fact that it was against the Rangers, and I believe it's the first time we had beaten the Rangers in the year and several months that I'd been there. So uh, all of it was very exciting, and I enjoyed sharing that. Uh, and there are many other moments that we might be able to share through NFTs because the one that we're putting out, you know, has audio to it. Right. And uh, I think it's I think it's tremendous. So um, I, I look for it. I think this is going to really, you know, take off. And I look at the names of other guys that are doing it, you know, Gretzky being one of them and, you know, obviously uh, Brady. Uh, and I just read recently that, you know, Simone Biles has also done one. Uh, that is big. I mean, there's there's a fan base out there for all of that. And uh, the uniqueness of the NFT, I think, is what makes it better than just an autographed picture, right? Yeah, without a doubt. Like you said, it feels a little bit more personable to have the the audio go with it. Um, You know, taking it to just the now a little bit for a second here, how do you think UBS is going to compare to the Coliseum in terms of the the noise? Because that seemed to be the the theme of this was just how great of a place it was to play at the Coliseum. How do you think the new building is going to compare? 
Well, I I, uh, I I took a tour of the building. You know, I went down to, uh, you know, I, I crossed the border. I was in Canada in uh, June, and uh, you know, when the Islanders beat the Bruins, you know, I I thought I can't, you know, I cannot not go down and see the Islanders play. So I was there for game three, four, and six against Tampa Bay, and uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, sitting in the stands where I was, you know, maybe ten rows up behind the penalty box. Uh, I never sat there during those games. I just know how loud it was. I mean, there's a moment when I remember very clearly, uh, you know, we were stepping on the ice to the sound of Eddie Mercury and Queen singing, we are the champions of the world. Oh, my Lord. I mean, I, I still get chills when I right. think about that, that first step on the ice and, uh, you know, the energy that that building brought uh, and the familiarity, too, because a lot of those fans we ended up growing up with. You know, it could have been Hanukkah. It could have been Christmas. It could have been a lot of holidays, those times that any of us, you know, who didn't want to be alone, we had a family we could go visit. You know, it was that kind of a reception for a young team in Long Island. And uh, that all played a very big part of how we all felt like we grew up together. Uh, so it was very special for me to go back and watch those games and be part of the fan base, you know, the lighting of the, the phones and, you know, singing the national anthem. Uh, God, it was great. And it certainly brought me back 30 years or more when uh, when we were actually on the ice listening to our fans, you know, just cheer us on. Yeah, absolutely. And just as someone who, as we mentioned earlier, just, been a part of so many, you know, championship quality teams. You, I'm assuming you have to love what Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz are bringing back to this organization now. Well, you know what, for them, it's going to be, you know, I listen, if you're, if you're Paggio or if you're Barzal or, you know, Andrus Lee, who I thought, you know, boy, they missed him terribly in that playoff against Tampa Bay because of his, you know, size and net presence. You know, they're going to know about the history, and hopefully they will want to carry it and be part of it. You know, if they go out and, and win a cup, they will, for the rest of their lives, you know, be part of us, you know, who, who sort of laid a base for the New York Islanders. And the new building, which I visited, there are a lot of little things that are obviously a lot of big things that are fantastic about it, but I was impressed when you know, the fellow that was taking us around was saying that, you know, they want the building to be similar to the Coliseum with the noise and, and with the fan participation that the distance between the ice and the top of the roof is still 93 feet, which is, I think, one foot away or a, the exact uh, distance that the Coliseum had from the ice level to the top of the roof. I just thought that was really cool. And uh, I look forward to being able to to visit those guys when they finally get back from their road trips <laughs> <laughs> in November or whatever. Yeah, ab absolutely. My my last one for you, I have to ask, as a former NHL defenseman as as yourself, what makes this Ryan Pulak and Adam Pellick pair so elite at shutting down opposing teams? It's really unbelievable to watch them night in and night out. Well, <clears throat> I've always felt that a big man can do a lot more than a smaller man. And there's no question those two guys who I met uh, are huge. <laughs> <laughs> They're very strong. And, 
you know, there there is a time when uh, you're going to have to use physical strength to be able to take people away from the front of the net. I'm not talking about the old days when we used to pitchfork people and cross-check them, you know, and all of that. I'm talking about, you know, doing it in a finesse way where you take a position on the ice where the opponent can't get to the front of the net. So those are, that's the number one thing I look for in the way they play. Their skating ability for their size is another. Because when you have to take those first five, three or four steps from the front of the net to get to the puck in the corner, it's very important that you get to the puck first. Those are all things that we did and I did in practice. I mean, I used to stand in front of the net and during practice, you know, facing up the ice and then, boom, upon a whistle, turn and go hard to the corner. Uh, so those first few steps are obviously very important, always will be, because the rink is still a rink where there's no out of bounds, right? I mean, you can get to anything quickly enough if you take the shortest route. So there are a lot of things that they do very, very well. They play off of each other very well. But it's not just those two. I was impressed with, you know, the whole of the defense core for the Islanders. And they're young enough, you know, in their mid to late 20s, that uh, they're going to be a very, very important part of how far this team can actually go in the playoffs. Absolutely. Dennis, thank you so much for taking the time and, and speaking with me today. And, you know, good, good luck on this NFT project. It, it's really, it really sounds so exciting. It does sound exciting. I just want to add one more sure. thing. Of course. You, uh, particularly about Trotz. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I, <laughs> I want to say this. I have often spoken with Trotz. He and I sat together for 13, 14 years, you know, next to each other in the dressing room. And I truly believe that, as I've mentioned to Trotz himself and many other people, if I were putting a hockey team together, my first draft pick would be Brian Trotz. This is over and above all of the greats that we played against, you know, in the 70s and the 80s. Right. So I, I, think, I think you're getting the sense of how much respect I had for this man both on and off the ice and still do. We're very strong friends. Absolutely. It's so cool to see you guys continuing to work together, you know, all these years later. And, and truly, good, good luck with this project. I can't wait to see more. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Mitch, how about that? Potvin on Eyes on Isles. Gotta love it. Oh, man. He's such a beaut. Uh, I remember speaking to him years ago, and he, he answered the phone in French. Because he knew, I told him I was from Vanier. He answered the phone in French, and it just immediately, I can see that 2C, like, grin, right? Like, that yep. the space between the two teeth. And just, hello, mon ami. And I was, oh, oh, it warms my heart to this day. So few, it was so long ago. Oh, what a beauty of a person he is. Yeah, and I, I was very I was very happy with how the interview went. Um, he seemed like such a genuine guy, and... So excited to be uh, working with his former teammate. And still, I mean, you heard it from himself. The amount of respect that he still has for Trottier is very noticeable. It's awesome. It is. It's it's so awesome. So so now you guys are on a first-name basis. You're, you're buddies. Are you going to come over to uh, to Ottawa and hang out with him? I, I believe so, yes. And I'm going to send you a <laughs> selfie of me and him hanging together without you. I think that's how it's going to go. That sounds about right. <laughs> it's like high school all over again, right, Mitch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Left at the prom all over again. Oh, no. So I know your your internet is down. Do you have anything for us for uh, down on the farm this week that you remember? 
Yes. I'm confused as far as this rookie camp is concerned. Okay. Hit me. So when I spoke to prospects, one told me that he will be here for the prospect camp, and he's leaving on on September 15th. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, that's kind of late, but whatever. You're the one telling me you're going to be here for it. But then as I reached out to other prospects today going like, hey, are you coming? Every one of them said no. And I was going, okay, well, neither of these players are under contract, nor are they outside of the NCAA. So they kind of tracked. But then I spoke to a player or a team who has one of our prospects in North America not in the contract though, but like it stands the reason that they would still come over for a rookie camp at least. And they're like, Oh, are they doing one? I wasn't aware, but no, he's not going. They weren't aware. They were not aware that the Islanders are doing a rookie camp. So at this point I'm going, all I've got are straight no's. And now a team saying like, I didn't know what was happening. So now I'm going like, cause the Islanders have not officially announced that they're having a rookie camp. Right. So some, there's only one per- is that one person getting invited to regular camp and not a rookie camp? Yes, they said they were going to rookie camp and training camp, so I was like maybe there's a miscommunication there. Mm-hmm. But then I spoke to the Saginaw Spirits who have the uh, yeah, who have Tristan Lennox, the third round pick from 2021, and they said he will be at camp. So I that's not a clear he will be at rookie camp. And it's not their place to define where he's going to be, right? Like, yeah, that is not true. their role to define that. Um, so I'm still kind of confused if one's happening. Because Lou has said there's no plan to have a rookie camp. Now, of course, that was at the end of the uh, the playoffs. Things could have changed since then. Um, I would hope they're having a rookie camp. If they're having one, it's for everyone who's under contract, I would imagine. And maybe a few players here and there in North America who aren't in the NCAA that will be participating. So do you think there's maybe like a chance that rookie camps, like, I don't know, two days before regular training camp starts for the rest of them. It might not be very long. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm gathering from the puzzle pieces we're trying to put together here. Yeah. That, that seems to be the case. I don't think it might be a week max and I don't think they're usually very long. Anyways, I'm, I'm really trying to rack my brain here. I wish I could have done some research before coming on, but the internet being not available. Uh, but yes, I, I think it's only going to be like a week long and then it's going to go immediately into training camp because if they're coming in on September 15th, and I assume there's some sort of quarantine that has to happen, although maybe not anymore. Uh, and the regular, the, sorry, the preseason first game is on September 26th. And I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So that's nine days from rookie camp through regular camp before a game starts. And usually there's a good like couple of days, if not a week before no. from when training camp opens to the first, first game. That's right. Uh, I don't know. I'm confused, man. I don't get it. So I expect in the next, uh, the next week or week or so, we're going to have confirmation of whether they're having a rookie camp or not, but I'm still confused and I have direct access to rookies. Then by rookies, I mean prospects. And they, they are, most of them are saying they're not coming. Okay. So it's, it's going to be a small party of young youngsters at uh, Isles Camp. I would imagine it's going to be a small group of players. Again, everyone under contract. So expect like Otto Rato said he's going to be there. 
Uh, I would imagine Colin Adams, Reese Newkirk, those are the new signings. Right. Um, guys like probably Cole Kosky, maybe, uh, Sidney Spibo, but they're signed to AHL contracts. Maybe they still keep them around type of thing. Uh, Samir Bajik will be there. Robin Sallow, I would expect. But outside of that, I wouldn't expect anyone else. I know, like, Nemi, Lucas, uh, Cameron Berg, they won't be there. Okay. Good to know. Was that it for this week? That's it, really. Like, there's, there's a few games, but it's all, all preseason stuff, and no one has really done anything explosive, I think, since the last one. Maybe Williams is full, putting up two goals and two assists in his first preseason game, but it's, it's preseason hockey, so it is what it is. All right, absolutely. Thank you for the update, as always, Mitch. We're going to skip the quiz this week because, well, you don't have your notes, and that's just not fair to you. So, No, well, I wish I'd put my notes on something else than Google Sheets or, I guess, Google Docs. So, like, lesson to me, don't only use the Internet for everything, you dumb-dumb. <laughs> uh, I, I am in the same boat. I would be lost without it. So I'm going to give you – instead, I'll give you two – things from social and we'll discuss so the first we kind of hinted at already this quote from Sezikis I'm going to die an islander that's how you can put it I I I don't I don't know if there's a better quote that I've ever heard in my entire life than that I I want I don't have any tattoos but I might have to get that tattooed on me at at least buy the shirt from yes men oh like I already did yes men were all over it. Did oh, you? Yeah. yeah, hours ago. Yes. Just the, the man, awesome, awesome shirt. Um, and yeah, what a quote, right? Like, it's not just I want to be here and I want to remain an Islander. You know, the, the the standard stuff. It's I'm going to die an Islander, and you're going, holy hell, that is not something we've heard about the Islanders for ever. No, no, it, it really isn't. So. Um... That one, that was really cool to hear. I, I was very happy to hear how excited Sezikis was that he's staying here. Yeah, that, that really makes it a lot better for everyone around. Not I shouldn't say a lot better, but it makes everyone feel a lot better. Yes. Right? Like, yeah, it's just a fourth-line center, but, like, my God, he's such an important player for this team, not only on the ice, but, again, for the identity of the team on and off the ice, and he wants to stay and die an Islander unbelievable love it the last one is from friend of the show Steven Rosner says fun fact JP Parise went from Minnesota the North Stars then to the New York Islanders his son Zach does the same that is freaking cool man yeah I saw Ryan uh, tweet out a poll do you think that Josh Bailey will give up the number 12 so that Parise can wear his dad's old number as an Islander no, because 12 is going to the rafters with Josh Bailey's name on it, just to piss off the haters. Uh, a little bit. Uh, I, I, I gave it to Bailey. I'm sure Bailey might. If there's, if there's someone that would do that, it would, be, it would Bailey. But I don't think that Parisi will take it. I think Parisi will do something else to honor him. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. So uh, that was it for this week, Mitch. We had a very big episode Huge guest. We ran through all the signings. We did the interview with Popvin. But before we go, let me just get a couple of plugs in here. So wherever you are listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe. Give a rating and review. That really helps us out a lot. We appreciate all the love and support. You could also follow along with us on socials. On Twitter at Eyes on Isles FS. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY. And Mitch, you can find over at TLO Mitch. 
Facebook, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You can also visit the website eyes on aisles.com or the fan sided app and get us there. And last but certainly not least, Mitch, Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles for $5 a month. You get post game shows during the season after every game. You get deep dives during the off season. You get, uh, what else am I missing? A Discord channel. Discord channel. There you go. Um, you, you get a, a fantasy league in this Discord channel that we drafted this past week, which was uh, which was a fun time. So exciting stuff happening over on Patreon. You're not going to want to miss it. Did you get the theme that I was going for for my fantasy team? No. No way. It was to be the most hated team. So I've got Tavares. I've got Wilson. I've got a bunch of Leafs. I've got a bunch of Rangers. I just wanted to have the most hated team possible, and I think I achieved that. Good, because I hate your guts, Mitch. <laughs> Thank you. That's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in to this special episode. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He is Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time.